This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. We're going to be in Ephesians 6, 8, 10 through 18 scriptures that y'all probably know by heart backwards forward. So I ain't telling you nothing new. Just want to share how the Lord gave it to me. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Paul wrote regarding spiritual warfare, which was the subject that God placed in my heart. And then as I begin to research, this is the scripture, of course, that came to the forefront in his letter to the Ephesian Christians. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mighty job, probably quote with me, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In the manuscript, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, what? That ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Amen. We thank God for his word. Our subject for today is if we're going to survive, we must strategize. If we're going to survive, we must strategize. We don't ever again want to pray another aimless prayer. And we know people pray pray aimless prayers all the time, just talking. And not really prayer, it's just a list or something, I don't know what it is. You know, or, you know, just saying that I did it at the time I was supposed to do it. Anyway, so if we plan to wage war, against the enemy who is attacking you and your family if you plan to resist the devil and have him actually flee from you you gotta know who your enemy is and his strategy or how will you know how to plan a counterattack to his plan of attack we gotta know and since God knows all Here are some things we need to pray for his wisdom on. So question number one, is the devil and his, is it, is it the devil and his cold hearts that's coming after you? Hmm. Is that the issue? Is it Beelzebub in Mark 3.22? Unclean demonic spirits in Mark 5 and 10. Spirit of divination in Acts 16, 16 through 19. Is it the spirit of fear attacking you? 
2 Timothy 1 and 7. Principalities, Ephesians 6 and 12. Powers, Ephesians 2 and 2. Rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. You gotta know that none of these are omnipotent. None of these are omniscient or omnipresent like our God. So we gotta stop giving the devil so much credit. He's not like God. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipresent. Hallelujah. Not omnipotent. So already with God, we are already on the winning side of this war. Yes. What approach is the enemy taking? What direction is he coming from? See, when you're going in prayer, these are the things you're going to walk. If you're going to walk against the enemy, you have to know these things. Yeah. What gates or senses are they influencing? What weapon is he using? Is it depression? Is it pride? Is it your easily besetting sin? Your relationships? Your greed? Money? The spirit of rejection? Unforgiveness and drudging tongue that won't let the pain heal. What is he coming with? If he's coming with guns and bullets, you gotta come with something that counters his weaponry. I don't think a sword will work well when someone is shooting bullets. Because they can shoot from all the way over there with a sword, you gotta get up on them. They be don't took you down. You got to know what he's coming with so you can know how to prepare. Sometimes we come unprepared or we're underprepared. We don't pray or we don't pray enough. We don't fast or we don't fast with purpose. We don't do these things. We do know. We do these things out of obligation. We pray. Going on the, you know, we get on our the Zooms and going, people going to the church services. Oh, we having prayer tonight. Mm -hmm. Oh, our church is, 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 is fasting. Uh -huh. Our church is having prayer, Bible study. It's got to be more than my church is doing it. Because if you just go in because your church is doing it and you're obligated to be there, you feel some sense of obligation. You're not getting nothing. We don't go to prayer and fast uh, out of obligation. It's got to be, I need to pray and fast so that I can be able to stand fast in the battle. That's the only way we're going to win. We got to get past this obligatory, if that's the word, fasting and praying. Going to service because we don't want the pastor to get up and say nothing. I'm, I'm talking outside of this church. Same thing. It's individual. We have to make sure we have purpose. Paul tells our one of our main weapons is prayer. Ephesians six and eighteen. Paul tells Christians to pray without. Ceasing. It has been agreed by many that the best way to apply that passage is to have a disciplined, scheduled, 
for which one should then have spontaneous all-day prayers. That's how you pray without ceasing. Daniel was a great example. No matter what hell or high water COVID, he was praying. No matter pain or death, threatened to be killed, he was praying. Spread the windows open. They changed nothing he was doing. He was praying. That's how we have to be because it was purpose. I had purpose. I got to win. This is where our directional information comes from. God, the omniscient one, he gives wisdom before, during, and after the war. Before, during, and after the war. We need to be talking and communing with the one who knows all things the enemy is planning and knows how to defeat him and his saint cohorts. I've been praying certain prayers for my kids for years from when they were babies and now I see why. Because the enemy will come to attack and I look right at them and I start telling the word of God. I said, you come back up out of here. Don't try to talk no talk to my kids because I ain't trying to hear you. And they know I'm coming with it. I stand there looking them. I listen to them. Yeah. Listen to how the, how the enemy trying to turn the thoughts. I said, okay, well, now you listen to me. When I get done, they ain't talking no more. Because I said, I'm coming against it. The Lord had me praying from when they was babies. He know all things. He knew they was going to get to this age. They ain't going to be around you all the time. So if other people are talking, other things, you know, they're meeting up with things at the college. And they, they, all kind of people have access to your kids. So now I see why I was praying. Because I kept saying, oh, Lord, no, don't let this be over. He said, I said, pray a prayer. See, because when you pray a prayer, Power, joints and marrow. 
It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's what the word does. I ain't got to judge you. The word does that. I ain't got to call your stuff out. Don't got to call out Lord. When I speak the word that the Lord give me for this room, wherever you speak it, you got to have the Lord give you the word because that's when it'll go. And it will touch who it needs to touch. I ain't got to call your stuff out. I ain't even got to know what you're doing. God will find you. The word will find you. Through God's word, we can distinguish between right and wrong. As a result, we can strive to live in a way that is free from sin. His word is the ultimate truth, and we can find confidence in knowing it is our greatest weapon. If we are lacking in the knowledge of this weapon, God's word, we are going to have a problem. In this war, you're going to have a problem. We will struggle to fight against the enemy. Anybody having a problem in the war? Mm. If you having a problem in the war, you ain't in the word. Mm -hmm. Because this is what you need. We don't know the word of God like we should. So when the enemy comes, we should be able to come back with the word. If we don't know what God has said, how will you know when the devil is talking and changing one word in the word, changing the entire meaning of what God has said, like he did in the Garden of Eden? One word. If you don't know, how will you know? Because people be coming to telling you all kind of things, coming against the word of God. Well, the scripture said, and they'd be wrong with what the scripture said, and how they interpreted what it said. That's why you have to know the word. You have to know how to tie two scriptures together. So you have to know the word. You got to study. The sword of the spirit is unique in that it can be used as both a defensive and offensive tool. While God's word can protect us from the lies of the enemy, it can also counter attacks of the devil. For example, Jesus used God's word as an offensive weapon in Matthew 4. When Satan tried to test him in the wilderness, he said, it is written. Mm. You must know what God's word says. To be able to fight anything in the spiritual realm, you have to know the word of God on the subject. Yes. It is not enough to hear what other people know. You have to know for yourself when people be saying something, add to it. Yes. Lean in one way because they don't want to, you know, get away from a sin that they're in. Yes. Child, please. Mm. You do this by developing and reading and understanding plan of God's word. You do this, especially in times when things are going what? Well. You got to do it when it's going well. This allows you to read objectively and get an understanding. That's why it need to be a systematic study. Like this study we're doing on Thursday night. We need that. It needs to become a part of our speech so that we can speak it out. When it comes out of the blue, people start saying, oh, God, and they come right back to you. Oh, no, 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 no. Mm -mm. And you know the word. 
Soldiers train for war before there is even a threat of a war. They become prepared, qualified, and positioned before a war even starts. In some of their lifetime, they may even actually see war. Or some of them may never see war. However, they were prepared. You have to be prepared using and knowing God's word. The Bible says, above all, taking the shield of faith. Wherewith we shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Ephesians 6 and 16. This shows that faith is for fighting and not talking. Yeah, I got faith. I got faith. I got faith. Yeah, I got faith. I know. I, my faith is strong. My faith is little. Shut up. We know that his fiery darts come at us in many forms. Satan shoots fiery darts at our hearts and minds. Lies, blasphemous thoughts, hateful thoughts about others, doubts, and burning desires for sin. Satan has many effective arrows, and each one is deadly and dangerous. The arrows the enemy uses are specific and targeted. He don't use the same arrow for every person. You have an easily besetting sin that he's trying to target. You have some things that happen in your life that he's trying to target depression for. Ah, he's targeting you. He knows that I told my, my kids that. I said, the enemy targets you because he knows what you've been through. He already knows, so he knows where to target. Then I give him the look over my glasses and then they know. He knows us better than we think he does. He observes our behavior. Somebody said, he observes our behavior. So if you're looking at mess, he sees you. So he's not God because God knew before you were going to look at the mess. He already knew. But the enemy, he observes. Uh -huh. He has been shooting well at believers down through the centuries. C.S. Lewis skillfully writes about Satan's strategies in his book, The Screw Tape Letters. So we need to read to go and you have that book. He always has, always got the books. <laughs> the shield of faith must be held firmly to quit. Now use the shield. Y'all know what a shield is. You hold it and you hold it up here in front of you, right? Yes. It must be held firmly to quench four arrows which the Satan, which Satan has used successfully. Uh -huh. I said he used them successfully. Now he don't use some of them against some of us, and we and we we didn't have a shield, up. Uh -huh. so some of us got hit. Uh -huh. We have to admit it. We've been hit. The first is discouragement. Which can render the believer totally ineffective. Woo! Yes, yes. Woo! Ineffective. It comes when things don't go the way we had planned and life is turned upside down. Discouragement comes. Our faith in God's power and his purposes is undermined. That's on purpose. The second arrow is discontentment. This comes when we focus on material things 
rather than spiritual things. We get our eyes off of God and what he is doing in us and through us, and we feel that we have somehow been misled. And that we're missing out. We feel like we're missing out. Uh, I need to go over here because it's not going on over there. I need to, you know, you know, I've seen many Christian singers uh, go out into the world. And because I ain't making no money here with this gospel music, I got to go. I have been offered um, to go and sing out there, you know. Um, and and the, the funny thing is that the saints, I ain't calling no name, was the one that offered my services. And, you know, they got their little monies and stuff. I said, uh, no, I sing the gospel. And that was the end of that. Mm. And they knew who I was. I ain't playing. No. Uh -huh. What? I think not. Get out of here with that. The third arrow is defilement. And let me step back. Some people leave the quote-unquote church. That's not happening. Why? It's not happening. Oh, oh, they they ain't doing what the pastor said. Uh, they're not doing the exciting things, you know. They're not having. Oh my God, when he was preaching, uh, the barbecues and some things he was saying was on point. He was on point. They're not having all of these uh, the, the carnivals and the you know the big thing. They ain't having all the the big revivals and people coming in. Ain't nobody getting revived. They just have this stuff so they can put the fly out and everybody can know I'm here. It's not about that. We have to be led of God before you be bringing that people in your pulpit. We had, when we was at a dad's church, somebody came here, they were, you know how they do, what they do is when a big preacher come in town, all of the preachers in that area get them to come at that time. Because it's, it was, I guess they save money. You know, that way, you know, by paying, you know, they don't have to pay as much. Uh, for the one for that one visit, the man over here, uh, growing legs, with the girl sitting up here, and the, ooh, the, the 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 leg done grew, the leg grew. He is and now young as I was, I knew the leg didn't grow. Now, if you doing this and then you move this way, they gonna straighten up. So that's what he did. I said, you is a liar. So you don't know what kind of mess you bring in. So the man praying to me, I had that women came. Remember, y'all used to get that all the time. So the man, called, I was crying. The man calls me up and he's praying. And he take both my wrists and bend them always. When I said I was crying, I was crying because the man was hurting my wrist. You can't have all kind of people in your pulpit. You can't. You're responsible. You can't have anybody coming up in here. So people just running from church to church. And some people come, they get abused. They go somewhere and they think they're going somewhere and where it's going on. And the enemy just waiting to get them. Meanwhile, you were covering them. Covering, they said, you know, come on, come on, come on, come on. They come on back to the Lord. Come on back to the Lord. Yeah. Cover them love, love, love. And they run. And nobody's covering them. They don't care. So I need to cover. So that's what I pray when people walk out. I said, Lord, cover them. Because 
You know, my, my whole goal was to cover them in love and prayer. You know, just trying to get a bunch of people sitting in and you can't even help them. We're here for a reason. The fourth effective arrow, no, no, I, I skip. The third arrow is defilement. It is God's word that keeps us pure. And it needs to daily saturate our minds. If we allow sinful practices of the world into our lives, this will hinder and grieve the spirit of God within us. The fourth effective arrow, you hear these are all effective because they've been working down through the centuries, of the enemy is disunity among believers. Smiling in each other's face, no real love. If Satan can drive a wedge between a husband and wife, between a parent and child, between a brother and sister, or even local churches, he is grinning with malicious pleasure as he knows the importance of unity in the pro progress of God's kingdom. Our only hope against these arrows is the shield of faith. Use your faith. A weapon in the hands of the most skilled fighter is useless unless the fighter uses the weapon. If you don't put the shield up, but you got it sitting over here all nice and shiny, nice shiny shield. Look at my shield. It's shiny. Meanwhile, the enemy is pointing arrows at your silly behind. Lord have mercy. Pick the thing up and use it. It's useless. Our faith is only useful if we use it. We know that the Bible tells us that without faith it is impossible to please God. That's in Hebrews 11 and 6. The last person you want to displease in a spiritual fight is God. God has at his disposal and has made it available to you the angels. Powerful words access to places, people and things that you need to win your fight. We sometimes need the angels to go before us and fight. Mm -hmm. I pray for them angels. I said, Lord, get in the car with Andre. Y'all know he don't flip over, you know, slammed into trees, into fire, light poles, and all kinds of stuff. And every time when I start talking to him, I said, remember the five cars that slammed, flipped, and sometimes the tears come to his eyes. I say, God love you. You got stuff to do. He spared him every time with a little scratch here and there. Mm, that boy got something to do. The enemy is trying to get him. And I said, you ain't having him. Back off. The blood of Jesus. Mm. The way you access and operate all of these is through faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and 17. There's a Christian saying that prayer is the key and faith unlocks the door. Now, I've heard people say it all the time. Never thought about what they meant. I just said, oh, yeah, amen. Woo, amen. What? I never thought about if you think about it. In other words, we have to pray believing. You don't just pray prayers for, and have no believing. You have to believe when you're praying. Or else, why is you praying, Lord? You can't have.
the key in your hand. But if you don't believe it is going to open the door, you won't even use it. If you don't use it, the door won't open. You say prayers all day long and not really trust God. And that is displeasing to God. Sometimes God will not move until you activate your faith. Whether it's little or small, little or great. Second, prayer aims your faith. Paul taught the Philippian church, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now you ask, doesn't God already know my needs? The answer is yes. Yes, he does. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So then why do I have to make my request known to him? The very simple answer is so that you will aim your faith specifically at your need. Remember this. Need does not move the hand of God. Faith moves the hand of God. Jesus asked the blind man, as for an example, a specific question. What do you want me to do for you? Now, Jesus could see that this man named Bartimaeus was blind. He already knew he was blind. He knew what he needed. Bartimaeus knew he was blind. It was obvious to everybody that the man was blind. Yet Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? Why did he ask the question? The Lord asked so Bartimaeus would aim his faith specifically and precisely on what he wanted from him. He said, Rabbi, I want to see in Mark 10, 51. Mark, now Bartimaeus didn't say, just bless me. Mm -hmm. Or if it be your will, I want to be touched by you, Lord. No, Bartimaeus was specific. He aimed his faith. Rabbi, I want to see. And so this is also for the glory of God. Because now the thing he asked for, God did. That's what Jesus did. The thing he asked for, Jesus did. You see what I'm saying? So he gets the glory. Because somebody can say, oh, that just happened. Ah, ah, ah. He specifically asked for it, and that's what happened. That's how back in the, in the, in the Old Testament, you would see things like, uh, have the sun stand still. You know, and nobody can say that that, that that prayer didn't get to the ear of God because the sun, what? Stood still. Yes. Ah, come on. It ain't just happened. How he know the sun was going to stand still? He didn't know. He prayed it, and then it happened. Come on now. Don't play with me. What lies ahead? We can't see all the blessings, and we can't see all the bumps in the road, but we can see with clarity when we can pray with active faith and aim faith that will move God's hand on our behalf. Okay, let's move, please. Let's go. Maybe it's not just the devil, but it's you. 
That's the problem in your prayer. In this war, is it you? Are you the issue? So you said, well, how can I be the issue? Well, sometimes the problem in our prayer fight is that we are straddling the fence. Trying to play two sides. Well, today I agree with the people. Tomorrow I'm on God's side. Oh, I don't want my family or friends or co-workers to be upset with me. So without saying it, by my silence, I'm on their side. We quietly side with them while quietly siding against God's way. I don't want anybody to be upset. Well, too late. You can't quietly side against the omniscient one. He's going to do that. He already knows. And his message today is choose this day whom you are really serving. Is it the people? Is it your family? Or is it God? Is it money? Or is it God? Is it acceptance? Or is it God? Get on one side and stay there. God doesn't play this game. Isaiah says in 50, chapter 59, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities, what you think is secret, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. It is our sins and our faults that separate from God. There is no hidden sin when it comes to God. Whether you have been saved five or fifty years, our professional way of fixing up our sin and making it look like we're walking right, it is not hidden from God. He knows the intent of the heart. He's got us pegged. There are no loopholes in God's laws. We have got to make a complete about faith and repent. No, you have not been fornicating. No, you have not been smoking and drinking and cussing. But yet, you have quietly been siding against God. And he is not pleased. When the Israelites begin to worship the calf Aaron made, Moses came down from the mountain. In Exodus 32, Moses asked the Israelites, Paul I know, but who are you 
The evil spirit leaped on them and overcame them. This is a spiritual battle which cannot be won with a carnal God. It ain't doing nothing for you because it can't do anything for you. How is a piece of wood going to do anything for you? Jeremiah 10, 1 through Hear the word of the Lord speak to you, O Israel. This is what the Lord said. Do not act like the other nations who try to read their future in the stars. Do not be afraid of their prediction, even though other nations are terrified by them. Verse 3. Their ways are futile and futish. They cut down a tree and a craftsman carves an idol. They decorate it with gold and silver and then fasten it securely with a hammer and nail so it won't fall over. Their gods are like helpless scarecrows in a cucumber field. This is the scripture. They cannot speak and they need to be carried because they cannot walk. They, they, they do not be afraid of such gods. But they can neither harm you nor do you any good. Lord, there is none like you. For you are great. Your name is full of power. Who would you, who would not fear you, O king of nations? That title belongs to you alone among all the wise people of the earth and all the kingdoms of the world. There is none like you, O God. People who worship idols are stupid and foolish. That's verse 8. I ain't saying it. Right? That's right. The people of Judah awakened the jealousy of God. So God used Jeremiah to warn them. The people of Judah who had worshipped Yahweh as the living God turned to worship other gods that were man-made. Yet, it is only the true God who deserves our worship. So, maybe we think they are stupid and ridiculous worshiping their handmade statues. Child, please, I would never worship no piece of wood or no statue. Mm -mm, Y'all know we said, not me. But sometimes we don't realize that we are doing the same thing. Idols are not necessarily in form of statues now. They can be. Idols are anything that replaces God in our lives. In this era, idols may no longer be form of wood, gold, silver, etc. Indeed, such things still exist, but in fact, Christians unknowingly commit idolatry anytime we replace God's position with something else. Our work, our parents, our husbands, our wives and children, can become our idols. Even ministry can become an idol when our focus is no longer on God, but being what? Uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Successful. All right. Even ministry can be an idol because you're trying to be successful, and that's happening all over. Because the, the devil have you tricked because it's ministry. It ain't really ministry, to be honest with you. Some of it is just social service, you know, you know, doing all kinds of things for the community. That's nice and that's all good, but that ain't ministry. Because if you're not ministering and bringing a soul to Christ, it ain't ministry. Sorry. I will conclude with this. 
When praying against the adversary, always appeal to the highest authority. The name? Okay, come on. Everybody know the name. Jesus is the highest authority. Our authority is in Jesus Christ alone. And because you are in Christ, Satan no longer has authority over you. You have authority over him. And you win by exercising Christ's authority over Satan and submitting to Christ's authority over you. Submitting to Christ's authority over you. Yes. All in the name of Jesus, not in our own name, in our own strength. Remember there's value in the volume of prayer. Now, I understand that sometimes people say, oh, it's not how long you pray. Sometimes. Because let me ask you a question. If you're battling something, okay, you, I listen, we, without even thinking, we know good well. We ain't about to say some little prayer. We stand there. Uh, I can't move until this thing come through. I got to feel some breakthrough before I get up from here. Come on, come on, y'all know. For 21 days straight, Daniel prayed and fasted. God immediately started answering his prayer from the moment he opened it up. Started answering from the moment he opened, but he prayed 21 days until it was what. Dying. Oh, yes. Daniel didn't even know the Lord had already started working. He had no idea the warfare taking place in the heavenlies. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You gotta almost imagine when you start praying, the enemy is up and is fighting with the angels and fighting against the, the, the demons. The Lord, the, the, the Lord sent the uh, angels to fight against the demons. Demons that are holding up the Holding up the deliverance. So when you start praying for your family member, I want you to see the enemy up over his head. And I want you to send the angels through prayer to fight against the enemy that's talking to your kid. We got to come with it. Go to war. We got to go to war. We don't put all this here in these kids. And the enemy gonna come and try to take them away. No, you ain't having them. We gotta go to war. Uh-huh. Amen. Go to war in the heavenlies. Amen. Don't look at them. Go to the heavenlies. Amen. And you're gonna start to see changes happening. Right. You gotta pray against the demons and let God send the angels. They're gonna fight for you up there. Amen. You don't see it, but God is already fighting. Oh my God. Hallelujah, Jesus. We must have a combat mentality. Come back. Come back. You got to go and pray with a fight and tenacity in our prayer life. Never give up. I ain't never tired of praying. What if Daniel had stopped praying on day three? Somehow our prayers interact with and influence the warfare between demonic and angelic beings. Keep that in your mind. Get that picture in your mind that the Lord sends angels to fight the demons. The more we pray, 
the more the strength of the enemy weakened. Oh. Ah. You want to weaken him. Back up off my kid. Back up off my daughter. Back up off that job. We got to send the angels. Let God send them. In response to Daniel's continued prayer, God sent Michael. The archangel to assist the lower ranking angel. So you got now you got two. Uh -huh. So he could continue unhindered on his mission to minister to Daniel. Sometimes God sends angels as an answer to our prayers. Chances are you'll never know it when he does. Because he starts doing things and then you start smiling a little bit. Oh, I see a change. They talking different. This one acted different because God don't send the angels. Yeah, yeah, oh. Learn the power of proclaiming God's word and God's promises when you pray. God's word has power. It is the sword of the spirit. When you pray God's word and proclaim God's word, Satan has no counter. He, his only option is to what? Retreat. Back up. He got to start backing up. Then you knew how to pray. I'm going to my seat. Because he knew the word of God. He had been reading the book of Jeremiah. When you pray according to the word of God, you pray according to his will. The way you win against Satan in any situation is by praising God through any trial and tribulation. Yes. Pray and praise. Yes. Satan hates the praise of God. And he will retreat from the presence of your praise. He will retreat from the presence of your praise. He's running from the praise. Come on and give God praise. Hallelujah. Anything you want God to touch right now. What you want God to fix right now? Hallelujah, God. I'm praising you for it now. We praise you for it now. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for salvation, God. Thank you for deliverance, God. Deliver my loved one, God. Deliver that person I've been calling out for. Set free in the name of Jesus. We of the Realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.